0: Hello, Dr. Shoemaker.
1: How are you doing? Hey, hey, guys. I'm uh, chatting away here from uh, uh, visiting my sister in Kitchener. So I'm in the spare bedroom and uh, just talking away because I'm on a visit. Uh, But we've got my famous Danish flag behind me. The reason I have the Danish flag behind me is they were among the first countries to do the right things about the vax. And we'll have a chance to talk about that together.
0: Absolutely. And if you want, you can go into that while I'm getting your videos ready, because we can go into your videos or we can go into that conversation if you like.
1: Oh, let's just talk uh, together for, you know, five or ten minutes and... uh, get the audience to know me a little bit. Uh, I think you'd want me to talk a little bit about my actual medical background. I am a real doctor. Graduated in 1975 from Queen's University. I was just 23 at the time when I graduated from medical school, so uh, I'm not that old. (laughs) (laughs) I started my medical career in 1977 after two years of post-grad. Fairly quickly moved into uh, some extra training in emergency and worked in emergency medicine for about 10 or 12 years. And after that period in emergency medicine, I did some uh, hospitalist medicine and uh, some uh, moving around within British Columbia and Ontario, did a number of hospitalist roles for another 10 years or so. So after those hospital-based years, I had a private practice, uh, not in as it were family practice, but I had a private practice that involved a little bit of psychiatry and a little bit of uh, assisting families with uh, their health issues. And uh, But certainly kept my hand in clinical medicine as well. Absolutely kept it in clinical medicine as well. And uh, then the call went out in uh, late, well, 2021, I guess the call went out that they wanted doctors to be able to treat patients pre-hospital. They wanted some help because the hospital was to some extent overwhelmed by people's concern coming in for their swabs and stuff or worried. We had to have swab centers for noses and the like. So I went into that, worked in it for 14 months. And uh, we'll talk more about that as we go along. But again, I'm a 45-year practicing physician, fully licensed through until January 5th of this year. On January 5th of this year, my license was removed, not for any cause of having done any harm to any patient, because I, in my 45-year career, literally never once was on call from my own college for any misbehavior or ill behavior or patient bad result. Zero in 45 years. And they took away my license simply because I spoke about science that I knew about, science that I was learning about, and it just didn't happen to fit the narrative that people were talking about throughout North America.
0: Now, did you speak in the public, or did you speak professionally? Like, did you go to some sort of event or conference where you spoke, or were you out in public speaking this?
1: Oh, gosh, I guess the quickest word would be to say public. I was unaccustomed to public speaking. I haven't made a public speech in 30 years, in 30 years, until on February no, January 30th, pardon me, January 30th of 2022, I came down from my private practice in West Ottawa. I brought a sign that said MDs for truckers. I meant it. I meant it with the sign, and I was there beside the stage, and someone leaned down from the stage and said, "Uh, geez, I mean, you're like a doctor too? And I said, oh yeah, I'm a physician here from Ottawa. She said, well, we've got some doctors talking tomorrow, the very next day, and would you like to join them? We'd like to have you to participate as a local doctor. And so I said, sure, I'll come down and Anyway, we carried on. We started to talk about what we knew. We didn't talk about what we didn't know. We spoke about what we did know, and I'll let you ask the questions that might take us into what those things uh, were.
0: Well, the first question I want to ask is who other what other doctors were there? So you, it was you and, oh, and other ones.
1: Well, we're talking the. Um, a lot of people would know this from the Freedom Story and the. Freedom Convoy, that the, the truckers bravely put on for us, but they had three doctors in particular that they asked to come and be professionals and speak to them and actually be available to speak to the Prime Minister if he would come out to talk. And those wonderful doctors were Byron Bridle from Guelph University, uh, Paul Alexander, international virologist and epidemiologist, uh, and the third was Roger Hudson, Roger Hutkinson from your province, from Alberta, fabulous pathologist. And those were the three major speakers. I was so thrilled to meet and get to know the three of them during the three weeks that we became together there in Ottawa. And as luck would have it, I spoke literally three times from the frozen freedom stage.
0: And has it been recorded? Do you have a copy of that?
1: Oh, my friend, uh, I've got about 100 videos out of one type or another, and you're welcome to them anytime you want.
0: Absolutely. If you don't mind, we might put a little video together, a little documentary or something, because we're trying to collect all this information in one spot now.
1: Oh, that will be fine. And that will be fine. But uh, We'll talk about it later. But of course, through the website is where about 80% of my videos actually are. Yeah. And very the cool. website, by the way, for those who want to go to my website, perhaps afterwards is Dr. Shoemaker, drshoemaker, dot Drshoemakercovidtruth.com Dr. is my personal website.
0: We'll add that to the chat. We'll put that on the screen very shortly here for you, Dr. Shoemaker. Okay, so you were, yeah, so you were on stage three times during the freezing cold. Did you stick around when they cleared everybody out, or, or were you gone by that point?
1: That particular Thursday or Friday, whichever it was, I think it was a Friday when uh, the Trudeau stormtroopers came in. I, I wasn't there directly. I didn't suffer because I wasn't there. I have good friends who suffered pepper spray in their eyes pushed down to the ground while they were holding their Bible and doing nothing but simply wanting to stay still and show public vigilance. And so many people were hurt. i met the dear Candace lady, the lady from the uh, reserve near Belleville, and uh, she was hurt by the horse, but there was a gentleman a few feet away from her who was hurt so badly he was dead within the year. He was killed from his injuries. She survived her injuries. The press never talks about the man who died. He, so he was died really subsequently. Uh, uh, no, Candace is fine. Candace, the lady, yeah, is absolutely fine. fine. But the but gentleman died. I mean, subsequently, he died. So he died within the year of his injuries from the horse trampling.
0: Yes. Oh. Yeah, that's not reported. We knew that there was reports during that weren't mm-hmm. true because he was still alive mm-hmm. after. But subsequently, yes. he died from his injuries. Oh my goodness.
1: 1,000% he, he, did. I can't give you the exact names and locations, but you do some more digging. You will find it. Candace told me that on great authority, and I would certainly believe Candace.
0: Yeah, I met her at the POEC. She's a lovely lady. Big heart. Great hugs. Yeah. She's just great. She's great. That's yeah, she <laughs> lovely. Oh, now, gosh, now I, I, I find it interesting. We,
1: that... Sorry, go ahead, but we've, go ahead. we've got a lot of time together here. We're going to try to have to try to fill two hours, aren't we? <laughs>
0: Oh, it's not a problem. All my viewers know we two hours is sometimes not enough and you've got all the right information. So I'm definitely going to be pulling it out of you if you don't mind. Um, yeah. So you went down there, you had a sign, doctors for what is it for truckers?
1: MDs for truckers is all the signs there. But my okay, speech so, has said a lot more. Would you like to know what I said in the first speech?
0: yeah, but i'm gonna I'm gonna get to how and why you went down there first, because you obviously uh, supported freedom, but you had something to say. And this was based on some research you did before you went there. So there was some some stuff that happened before you actually showed up at the stage to share your messaging. So when did you start understanding that this wasn't? what they say it is, you started looking at some data and you started looking into it. This would have been before January uh, 2022, I would presume, uh, because you had all the information at that point. So let's back up a little bit to where you started to find this out.
1: Well, the real learning, the heavy duty learning, really, for me, only happened really just a month or so, a month and a half before the Freedom Convoy. The reason it was just the month and a half before was I was looking around. Before that, I was troubled that it seemed like people had reasonable ideas, like using some ivermectin or uh, hydroxychloroquine with an antibiotic. And people from France, people from Brazil were having wonderful results with it. And I couldn't quite understand why North America was being so resistant to the idea of just using it, especially in year one. We had nothing else. We had nothing else in 2020. Why not try some reasonable medications? But it was uh, shot down by various factions. And uh, it never happened much in Canada, uh, but we're going to we're going to make it happen because it deserves to happen. But I, where I learned the most, however, I'd gotten two shots myself. I was coerced into two shots. I'm a bachelor. I was, you know, couldn't go to a restaurant, couldn't go to a hockey game, couldn't do anything outside the house, you know, for enjoyment because there was coercion. Coercion saying you couldn't get on a bus and go somewhere. You couldn't go to right. the coffee shop. Forget going to the hockey game without your QR code. So I didn't know as much about the dangers of the shot then. I knew that they were probably useless, but I didn't know they were dangerous when I You're took
0: right. my harmful shot. too.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I'm a personal yeah. example of the harm it caused because I worked in a COVID clinic with people coughing and snorting and having phlegm all over my gown. I know I was in a space chute or whatever. and the, you know, But nonetheless, you have to take it on and off. Nothing's perfect. You're going to be exposed to germs as you do something like that. And in the year and a half that I did that kind of work, I didn't catch one sniffle. That was the year and a half in which I had no COVID shot to protect me. I was a, quote, hero at that point because I was out there willing to take that risk, and I got no infection myself. I got my two COVID shots, and within 15 days of getting the second shot, that's when I got my only time of COVID. That's when my COVID shots knocked down my immune system enough so that I was then likely to get and did get COVID-19.
0: Was that your first bout?
1: It was my only bout. It was the only bout I've had of COVID-19. I have a pretty decent immune system to start with. It certainly was harmed by the COVID exposure and the spike exposure within COVID. That's the key thing. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so I I quietly got some ivermectin, not self-prescribed or anything like that. I just got it, you know, from people around, people who'd gotten it from India or people who from one place or another had gotten it. So I was sick as a dog two days in. I took my three days of ivermectin. The first two days I was still positive on the antigen test. The third day, the antigen test had gone to zero, and I felt like a million bucks. I felt great after three simple days of taking ivermectin. So, ladies and, and that's gentlemen. That's all you took? That's all I took. Because it's all you new. Know, it's all I you know why I took it? Because it's the best. It's like an Afghan blanket as a molecule. It's got so many wound up little together connections, but that's why it's so good against poisons. That's why it's so good against spike. That's why it's so good against malaria. And that's why it's so good against the diseases it's known best for, which is the river blindness. It works in a magical number of ways because of its special shape. By the way, it does no harm to people. It, 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 top, tylenol is more toxic than ivermectin. Ivermectin is a very safe drug taken in the low normal doses that doctors can prescribe it. You know you can take it, For a child with scabies and take it for 15 or 20 days, the child is fine, the child has gotten rid of the scabies, and it's allowed in Ontario. If the person at the pharmacist discerns that you've come for it because of COVID-19, maybe the parent tries to hide it, they somehow got a prescription of some kind from somewhere, the pharmacist will not fill it. You are not allowed to save your life with ivermectin like Dr. Chris Shoemaker was able to save his life from or going to the ICU or anything like that by just taking these little tablets for three to four days. That's what the province of Ontario should allow right now. That's what the province of Alberta should allow right now. And we're sure going to need it this fall because all of the variants that have come from this and all of the immune harm that we've done by 80% of us taking the shot, it means we're set up we're set up for having trouble with respiratory syncytial virus we're set up from right. suffering more from covid this fall than we've ever suffered before and we can't go into another fall without the best drug the best drug on earth we cannot go into another fall without the best drug on earth available for our safety and available for our health so speak speak to your members of parliament speak to members of your family who have influence in one place or another and help us get ivermectin where it should be available to everybody
0: so where is it being restricted right now health Canada and what is that based on some sort of report or just a decision like why is it being restricted why <laughs> Listen man you've done enough reading you know where it's being restricted from <laughs> Right I'm trying restricted. to get the audience to understand
1: Well it's okay no I understand that but I'm still I'm just having a joke with you
0: <laughs> Yeah yeah if You joke away and I'm happy uh, to the joke
1: and the joke is actually is it's on us The joke is that people at a very high level people who were in a position to make billions of these non-vaccines, billions of these immune harming agents. They wanted their billions and they wanted the harm to come the way of certain people. They didn't care if it was going to harm your grandmother. They didn't care if it was right. going to harm you. And they didn't care if it was going to harm your seven-year-old. And they still don't care. I'll give them a name, by the way. It's not they anymore. It's the unelected people control entity. It's an unelected Person control entity. What is the unelected person control entity? It's an unelected entity centered on the WHO, centered on the WEF, centered on these and also other moneyed people supporting these agencies and moneyed people wanting to make billions and billions more while harming your immune system. We have to take back our shoulders. It's a simple act. I hope to see the uptake of COVID-19 shots at 0.0% in October. If you're wise, you'll be in the group that will not take another shot. If you've had four shots, do not have a fifth. I'll tell you later the reasons why the numbers are so bad, if the more shots you've taken. Special data out of Cleveland, Ohio, but it's absolutely proven that the more shots you take, literally, the more likely you are to get and suffer from COVID. Zero is the best number. If you're at zero,
0: stay at zero. Absolutely. So you have evidence and there's, and there's data that suggests that each shot destroys the immune system more more and more to the point where do you become dependent on it as some sort of protection or is there no protection at all out of these shots?
1: There is no protection at all. There's only harm. Uh, if I had the graph, uh, and I'm sorry, I didn't send you the graph uh, from Cleveland, Ohio, but what I did, I'll hold my hand up. When it showed over 90 days how many people who were zero vaxxed were doing badly, they were down here. One vax started to go up. Two, there. Three, the number of patients. And this was a group of 50,000 people at a hospital. And finally, the five shots you were up here for likelihood of getting COVID and suffering from COVID. So the more shots you get, zero shots were down here. Five shots way up here. Four and five times more likely to have the disease and to suffer the disease. The disease, by the way, that the liars told you the shots were going to help you with. That's the first thing. The shots have not helped you with COVID. They will never help you with COVID. But unfortunately, believe you me, they do a lot of things to harm you in other ways.
0: Right. So dropping immunity in general is not a good thing. So are are you seeing an increase in other things like ammonia and other things taking people or or causing you know they're getting the flu and it's actually a lot more dangerous for them? Are you seeing that as well?
1: Oh yes. I mean, around the world, uh, strange conditions from unexpected. Uh, um uh, autoimmune diseases are the big thing uh, mm. diabetes is an autoimmune disease auto autoimmunity that harms the pancreas is essentially what causes uh type 1 diabetes especially the one where you need insulin from the word go there is a huge uptick in diabetes type 1 occurring in teenagers most people when they get past the teens yeah. they're just about home free in terms of getting type 1 diabetes certainly by the time you're in your early 20s you're probably not going to get it People in their early and mid-20s and people in their late teens are starting to get diabetes in numbers that are like twice the normal rate. I know what it's due to. It's due to the COVID shot creating a hyperimmune attack on their pancreas. When you have a hyperimmune attack on other organs, like the liver, you get a form of hepatitis. When you get a hyperimmune attack where the attack is actually on other white cells, so your whole white cell system and your whole uh, I guess you would call it the spleen and the bone marrow that's to produce white cells in a, to be healthy. They're nice. being damaged. So your white cells, which are designed to keep you from getting a strange pneumonia, they're not working as well. People are getting mononucleosis more so, pneumonia more so. Uh, adults used to never get RSV, respiratory syncytial virus. It, it was a disease of children. It was a, you know, dangerous, a disease that you didn't want kids to get. But it was pretty darn rare. And there was a major uptake last year a major uptake in the fall of 2022 of RSV because of the the fact that the all of society had already been harmed for a year and a half with the bullshit vax, the death vax, call it whichever you want. I certainly won't call it a regular vaccine because it's not a regular vaccine. And uh, I have a video in which I'll talk about that a little later, but I guess that's where we've been talking just now. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. So is it really two attacks happening? Like there's an attack on the immune system itself from the vaccine, and then the immune system has to work overtime on spike proteins around the body. So is it really attacking the immune system in like two different ways, overworking it and actually attacking it?
1: No, probably three, three, four or five different ways of ill evidence. Um, I've already spoken to it at least one of them. Um, I'll go to one that I haven't mentioned. Um, doo, 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 doo. Well, it, it it harms the ability of immune system to be strong and when it knocks down your CD4 cells and your CD killer cells, the cells that are most important in your white cell system for preventing cancer, for preventing early cancer, those cells are not harmed by spike. They're harmed by the fact that the, your immune system doesn't like that spike is sitting around those cells.
0: Either. Right. So, so your own immune system you.
1: attacks healthy parts of your immune system and drives your CD cells lower. Just like in AIDS, in AIDS, patients were always checking their CD cell count and it dropped, you know, to the low hundreds kind of thing when it should be up over a thousand. We were seeing the same thing. We're seeing the same thing with the vaccinated. We're seeing their CD cells harmed and unable to defend themselves against early cancer and we're seeing turbo cancers as a result we're seeing people in their 20s and 30s getting strange lymphogenous cancers that even when people got them in those age groups they would take months and years to be problematic for the person that's what's normal with these lymphogenous cancer months and years to indeed take the life of the person what's happening now the dear folks are dead 13 days after diagnosis we've never seen this yeah. in huge numbers before, but we're seeing it in Britain. We're seeing it in the United States. We're seeing it in Belgium. We're seeing it all the countries that have been heavily vaccinated. Rapid, unfortunate cancers from immune damage. Our immune system is what keeps us healthy. If we didn't have immune system. We've got intestines. We've got germs on our skin. There's germs everywhere inside us, outside us. They're around us all the time, but we walk around healthy 99% of the time. And we only do it because we have a positively beneficial, healthy immune system. And this, I can assure you, everybody, is the first time that we've been given, and I've been given it. It's the first time that we've been given something that was going to purposefully knock down our immune system, and it's done so. Uh, If you'll ask me a few questions uh, as we go along, I'll tell the audience, because you were asking about what woke me up. The wake me up was what woke me up to the cause of it all. like I do know the cause of it all. I know who the actors are. I know who the fakers are, and I'm comfortable speaking about it.
0: Yeah, please do. Like So you can name names, uh, WHO, WEF. You kind of know who's involved here and how they got
1: there? Yeah, that's the general basis and the money people for it, but they had to speak into someone's ear. Mm -hmm. They had to speak into someone's ear who was willing to go the hard miles to make this happen. So let's just narrow it very simply down to a name we all know, Fauci. Fauci was gotten to, Fauci was spoken to. Fauci was given information that he'd be a very rich man if he took his own specialized form of research offshore. He hid it from his own president. He'd been told by President Obama in 2012 and 2013 to not do gain of lethality research. Do not do gain of lethality research he was told not to do it and he did it anyway. He tried initially to get a component of the U S military to cooperate with him and do it. But a gentleman major Joseph Murphy gave testimony Well, he gave an email that has been discovered by, uh, certain people in the project Veritas, James O'Keefe. Right. And in the yes. email, there was evidence that the military told Fauci, forget it. You've been told by the president, you can't do it. We won't do it either. When he was told that, he went behind the back of the entire country and took it offshore to another country, a country called China. They might have gone to other labs as well. Hard to say. But the contracts, the for-sure contracts, were in Wuhan and were in Wuhan for the purpose of getting genomes that could be attached into coronaviruses. And he communicated. The communications were very clear with a fellow named Peter Daszak. And Peter Dajic ran a company called EcoHealth Alliance. So EcoHealth Alliance was the way around it. And uh, EcoHealth Alliance fulfilled the contracts. They went to Wuhan. There were some things that were going on in North Carolina at a certain university as well. But I can't speak to that so clearly. But what I can say is that after many emails between Fauci and EcoHealth Alliance, there was one final all through 2014, 2015. But in December of 15, EcoHealth Alliance, Peter Dajic, sends Fauci an email, says we've got it. And the earlier emails make very clear what it was going to be. It was was was. going to be a weaponized genome that could be attached into vaccines or attached into a germ. And it was used for both purposes. In China, it was attached into the germ in an aerosolized thing, or one way or another, what we came to call COVID-19. And again, it's hard to say whether it really came just from China. Um, Certain people... uh, uh, David Martin, is pretty sure that was actually released in a number of locations and probably in the summer of 2019, not just late in 2019, like we've been led to believe. Right. So the germ type was released then. The scare was put in. The fake-looking photographs of people collapsing in the street in China and being carted away by strange people in outfits to frighten the entire world. All there was in that year was as much death From as would happen in a normal year with influenza. That's really all that happened. But we were frightened to be pathetically scared of it. Frightened into saying that we'll accept being locked down, number one, and frightened into accepting, we'll just wait for this magical vaccine to come. That's what the professionals are telling us. Well, when I knew that the principal professional who was telling us to wait for the magic vaccine was a man who'd harmed so many HIV-positive people in the 1980s, right. right? and a man who clearly, in the emails that uh, James O'Keefe found, was cooperating with making this whole thing happen. So then how could we possibly have been fooled into trusting him to advise a president and other people as to what to do? Was he going to lie? You're damn right he was going to lie since he made the whole thing happen. Uh, I've got a few more things to say about uh, the vaccines themselves and how they were poorly made and remain poorly made. But for the moment, I'm just—I'll take a pause and uh, just like to talk about some quieter things. If you can come up with some quieter things to talk about.
0: Well, actually, I did queue up a video here. You passed me four clips that you wanted to uh, play. So how about I go ahead and play this Shadow Davis clip?
1: Um, just if we could not do Shadow Davis first, please. I, I appreciate okay. that you got it right there. Uh, yeah, could we play you the you like first? For? Uh, the first of the two clips that are a speech outdoors, uh, where we start from the beginning of the speech and we go to about 4.45 or something like that.
0: Yeah, I can queue that one up right now here for you.
1: And and what that is, everybody, this is what I knew in October of 2022. Ten months ago, I knew enough to say these things. Give it a listen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Derek. Thank you, everyone, for being here and for showing the world... This is Canada speaking to the world about how we all have to listen to each other and realize what's going on around the world about the terribly toxic bio-agents that are going into people's arms. He mentioned that other doctors are with me. I can be very specific. 92 doctors in the United Kingdom just yesterday afternoon submitted an official request that the government stop all vaccinations for all people in the united kingdom this has happened these are licensed physicians in great britain who have seen the dangers of these vaccinations whose patients are coming in with vaccine injury with the loss of ability to walk normally with the loss of ability to have normal cardiac function and are in heart failure after myocarditis with the loss of any number of horrific conditions, menstrual irregularities in women, fertility issues. I mean, the doctors are seeing the carnage. The doctors around the world are seeing the carnage of these vaccines. There's no way to hide from it. I'm standing here because I know there's no way to hide from it. And if we think it's bad now, it's only going to get worse. Both time and increased vaccinations are not on our side, are not on the side of anyone receiving any more injections. I sadly only about three weeks ago learned what the exact volume and number of these bioagents going into your arm each occasion. You only need 80, that's eight zero, 80 viral elements go into your arm to create immunity to polio. That's it. That's all you need. And you get it three or four times in your lifetime, and you're immune to polio. 80. The blueprints to create the spike protein, which is effectively the viral element, the most toxic viral element, 40,000 billion go into your arm with every shot. 40,000 billion MRNA, spike protein generating factories go into your arm with every shot. You only have 30,000 billion cells in your whole body. So it's enough for every cell in your body to get one to two of these factories in them. Mm -hmm. Having these factories has the following result. The production of spike protein within your individual cells means that your body recognizes there's something non-human in your cells. Your body, your immune system, recognizes that you've got toxicity in your cells. And what happens when your body recognizes toxicity? It attacks the toxicity. That's why the people drop suddenly. That's when you see someone collapsing. It's because their body has been under attack for probably the three, four, five weeks before. And finally, after this tremendous leukocytosis attack, you can look it up, leukocytosis T cell attack against your own body. And that's what happens. That's why children collapse. That's why adults collapse. That's why the percentage all cause mortality around the world is elevated, somewhere between 25 and 40 percent. The insurance people and the mortuary people are saying we've had a death rate increase in our world of 25 to 40 percent worldwide in all countries. Well, it's even worse in the vaccinated countries, in the vaccinated countries, it's basically 80%, 100% more elevation in mortality. That kind of event happens once in half the time of the universe. Once every 3 billion years is how much time or how frequently an event like that should happen. A 10% elevation in mortality should only happen in the world once every 300 years. So what the heck are we doing allowing shots to go into our bodies that are causing our death rate elevations across the world to be 300% more, 400% more, 1,500% more, 5,200% more? Those numbers are in any numbers of studies. The 1,500%? relates to athletes. Athletes are dying 15 times, 1,500% more than they do in a normal year. And it only started after they were forced to vaccinate. Pilots are dying around the world, 1,500% more. 15 times more frequently than healthy pilots drop dead in their sleep at home going for a walk. They supposedly passed all their physicals recently. But they're dead. And they're dead only in massive numbers after the vaccines were mandated for them military personnel in the United States and all over other countries are dying at faster and increased rates if they are vaccinated so ladies and gentlemen of the world Canada is continuing to shout out listen to us we've been listening to you I want to give a shout out now to what's around my neck I have two flags the Canadian flag and the Denmark flag you can't see them both Please fully, break but look how the reds, how similar they are. They're very... Wow. So just wow. pause it there, and rather than yep. move to another spot in the video, if you can just leave it there, and we'll let our mm-hmm. audience know that we'll come back to the rest of the speech. I-, I think this speech is a very good thing for the audience to hear the full thing. It's only 14 minutes over the whole time. Sure. So a little later when we'll move to part two, and it will be when we talk about Denmark and the Denmark flag behind us, okay?
0: Sounds great first i want to say thank you for caressing and holding that flag and obviously you love our country obviously you love our people so thank you i just want to say that that i can tell that from the way you were speaking there
1: oh and the flags with both denmark and canada i wear them both all the time because i am a proud canadian and and i'm so happy that we helped denmark in world war ii we went and saved them when they were under nazi oppression well denmark Mm -hmm. with valuing science and looking at the science the real way and doing the right things for their people more quickly than we idiots have done here. Denmark is trying very hard to help us.
0: Thank you very much for bringing that to our attention and thank you to Denmark, absolutely. Now, let's continue this. So I heard some things that were shocking in there that I didn't know about. How many that are in your arm, one per cell, basically? Do you think this is a design? And what is its purpose? Is it to make us sterile? Is it to make us dead? What's the purpose?
1: Well, it, would you call it overkill, I guess we could say, rather than 80 little <laughs> units that make you not get polio? Why would they make something where they need it, let's say, any more than 80 to 100 viral units or 80 to 100 mRNAs? Uh, but they make it's on the label. They've declared the weight of the mRNA. The declared weight equals that number of strands. And those numbers of strands had little spaceships called nanoparticles that were going to take them throughout the body. And, and what's actively frightening about it in such huge numbers is it also means that the carriers themselves are in huge numbers. There's one per strand of mRNA. So there's 40 trillion little carriers going around you. And those carriers, a lot of people, some people would know this term lipid nanoparticles. They've heard it a little bit here and there. Well, hey, it's carried by wonderful lipid nanoparticles. I need to tell the audience right now that lipid nanoparticles prior to Covid nineteen were only used in experimental purposes over about fourteen years or so. And in those fourteen years, they could never use it for any condition. They were never allowed to use it for any condition other than a patient who was going to officially die within five months. Only if the patient was had a lethal condition like a brain tumor, were the experimenters allowed to use lipid nanoparticles to transfer the small amounts of, let's say, chemotherapy or whatever into their brain? And the reason that they weren't allowed to use it for any other condition, let's say, any any other condition where the person actually had a likelihood of living, was that when they did experiments on lipid nanoparticles, and by the way, these experiments were done in Canada, in British Columbia, by a company named Acuitus, and when Acuitus did these experiments to prove that this thing can move small things around within the body what they could never prove was safety What they right. could never prove with safety because every safety test they did on little mammals uh little guinea pigs and little mice they all died just from lipid nanoparticles you didn't have to have mrna in it the lipid nanoparticles are inflammatory and lethal in their own right now they're not quite as lethal to humans Not 100% lethal, obviously, but they were 100% lethal to every small mammal that received it in the experimental phase. So the truth was, when proper people in science were making the right decisions, they said we could never do a technology letting lipid nanoparticles take things into healthy people, that would be malpractice. Well, malpractice was allowed in this case.
0: Oh my gosh, Uh, that's disturbing. Um, Okay, so where are you getting this information from? You have a head full of it, that's for darn sure. So where are you pulling your information from, if you don't mind me asking?
1: Sure, well, um, we'll just speak to the the lipid nanoparticle story in particular. Uh, That's spoken most clearly, and with the greatest accuracy by both a physician and a lawyer both. His name is David Martin, and uh, Dr. David Martin has all the receipts about the Genesis over 20, 25 years of the technologies that were used to support this final usage, okay? Mm -hmm. From that, there's evidence that certain people were going to put this into some kind of usage, even if it was harmful, and those certain people had a reason for it. So it's a story with four or five years of history in terms of of being specifically attached to COVID-19 and made problematic with COVID-19. That's a four or five year story, but there's a 15 to 20 to even longer story that if people want to look up Dr. David Martin and understand the things that he understands, they will know the history behind doing nefarious science. And simply put, it is Frankensteinian nefarious science that has produced this product, and not a single soul on Earth should ever take an RNA shot, should ever take anything with lipid nanoparticles as the vehicle to take it in. And that is just a truth. David Martin can give you other references, I can assure you, but why don't we just leave it at that
0: for now? No, that's fair enough. Now, look, you mentioned uh, WHO, WEF, you mentioned that group. Are you familiar with the Global Fund, which is uh, the financial arm of them?
1: Um, I suppose BlackRock and others would have, uh, arms into that, or, uh, I, I didn't know that exact title, but uh, you tell me, okay. you can inform me sure. at this point. i will be glad to do some learning and some listening.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So the global fund is where every few years or so countries contribute billions, uh, many countries, Canada, UK, us, all of them. They're listed by the rank of the, how much they contribute. And they've done, I believe, seven, uh, rounds of, uh, funding since this started in 2001. This is the organization which I believe is the core of all of this research because they're the ones who are taking the money for the COVID response. It's all over the website. You can take a look at it right now. But they're right. also responsible for AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria. So they they take on those three items, and they take on the COVID item with billions and billions of our dollars. And they're working on it, and they're sitting they're showing it. I'll bring it up on the screen here. So my concern is when you're talking about autoimmune issues and you're talking about the immunity dropping by this aids is also part of this research and aids is also something that fauci was involved with for many many years and, and dealing with that is this a new type of man-made aids like i'm just going to throw that out there is this a new type of way to attack the immune immunity of us and are they doing it based on this research that they've been doing for quite some time what do you think about that
1: well um i'll, I'll just continue to call it immune damage but not technically Acquired immune deficiency state in the sense that AIDS are acquired from an actual virus attacking immunity is one thing. But in this rather sneaky way of just getting to your body to attack when in a sense there's nothing to attack. (laughs) I mean, the vaccine is not there as a germ. The vaccine Mm -hmm. technically is not, you know, it's not dangerous in a germ like sense to you. But what it's capable of doing is just by setting up the factories in your multiple cells, it's making your cells not like look like your own cells. And, and you because your body yourself. doesn't see it as its own heart, it attacks its own heart. It attacks 10,000 cells in its own heart because 10,000 of them have little mRNA factories in them. And they think it's a not-human heart anymore. And that's why myocarditis happens, everybody. Myocarditis normally happens one in a million. The rate of myocarditis in humanity at any given week of the year should be one in a million. Like that's not much given all the germs and stuff that are around us, right? Viral myocarditis is extremely rare. Autoimmune myocarditis was virtually zero, like virtually zero. So here you have this disease that usually only happens when you get a little unlucky with a particular virus at a particular time and and, and you you have this rare, rare condition, one in a million. The numbers are looking like three to 9%, actually. 30,000 to 90,000 per million is what's coming out of studies in Basel. Study out of Basel, Switzerland, just released about 10 days ago. And they studied their own staff and they purposefully were giving their own staff one, two, and then third shots. And they had a protocol where they're doing blood drawings after the first shot, the second shot, and the third shot to see if there was any evidence with something called troponin that would show them that the person was actually getting myocarditis from the actual shot. They weren't doing too badly after the first two shots, pretty low numbers, you know, suddenly after the third shot, suddenly after the third shot, the numbers shot up to between 3% and 9.2%. And again, that means 30,000 per million to 92,000 per million. Shot up from one in a million to those numbers in people getting their third shot so that the body had now has beacons, beacons throughout it, beacons in the, the spleen, the brain, the ovaries, the testicles, and in this case, the heart. The heart was the one that they were willing to do the study on. No United States center was ever willing to do A looking ahead. Let's see what happens. We're going to look right now. We're looking as we give the shots and see what the results show us. The Swiss in Basel for their staff was willing to do this study. Here's the interesting part. They got the answer in January of 2022. Everything was finished. The research was done. Wasn't released. Something made it get released in July of 2023. We're talking 18 months later. So (laughs) we got... It sat on so that the, I don't know what to call them, the people at the American CDC could continue to go on their merry way saying there's really not that much more myocarditis going on. No, there's just a bunch of people dying over the, all over the place that we don't know what the reason is. But guess what? When you get myocarditis, the one thing it does, more than anything else in your body, it changes the direction and the course of electricity in your heart. It doesn't okay. make your heart stop beating, but it's inflaming the cells enough that the cells that are supposed to conduct electricity in a specific direct way, if too many of them are dead, the electricity goes around the side and shoots around and it goes a little shorter, it goes eccentrically, and suddenly you've got what's called a beat on beat phenomenon, and you've got a sudden death in your sleep. That's what hidden myocarditis does, and that's what the Swiss study proved, that you don't just have that point three percent or point oh three percent that the world is willing to admit at the moment it's four times levels of magnitude in other words it's ten thousand times more common than the world is willing to tell you and that ten times brings it to from thirty thousand per million and ninety two thousand per million and that is nowhere near one in a million
0: that's right Geez, yeah, the numbers are big. So you're giving us good numbers here. So 1,500 times for athletes, 1,500 times for pilots. And I I, I assume that because a heart is damaged and as soon as they start to use it or under some sort of strain, this is why they might be dying as quick as quickly as and bigger than the numbers that we're seeing here. And pilots do also, I'm a pilot, so you actually sure. do have strain and stress when you're flying. Oh, God. When you're coming in for landing, you're, you're holding the plane, something goes wrong. So your heart does take some stress. And we do get... Uh, uh, our hearts checked every two years once we reach 45 and up as a pilot. So they're always looking at the heart to make sure that, you know, it's, it's in good shape. So you're right. There's a whole bunch of us that had our hearts checked, we were cleared. And then now they're not so good anymore. Um, well, have great about, did,
1: did, has that happened to colleagues or friends of yours where they tell them that a certain part of their cardiogram's not so good anymore for some reason?
0: I No, I haven't heard that from any friends, but I did have one friend that passed away and I have Greg Hill on on Thursday, who's a pilot who's been fighting this as well. Uh, So he has a lot of stories about his colleagues as well who did have those troubles. So I'll be exposing that on Thursday, specifically for pilots. But athletes, we just heard LeBron James' son just had an an incident. Is that going to be enough to start waking people up when LeBron, who was pushing this all along, his own son has a problem? Or are they just going to cover that up? Like, what is the story around that one? Do you know?
1: well social decisions are social decisions and if the family wants to uh, not go to have specific blood tests done or specific biopsies of certain tissues he could have portions of his body biopsied to look for injected spike to see if injected spike has gone to say certain lymph nodes or has gone to certain other t- tissue elements and they would give secondary proof that it could well be a spike based event uh, but uh, I-, I can't really speak to that that would be a social phenomenon that that's not my thing Can I just stay with one medical thing that relates to you and the pilots and what I was briefly speaking about, about how myocarditis redirects the electricity in your heart. When it's redirected, it often is a little slower to get from A to B, or in this case, from P to R. What's called the PR interval on the cardiogram needs to be 0.2 of a second, two-tenths of a second only, two-tenths, 0.2. Uh, it should never be near 0.3 or 0.4. 0.3 is a 50% lengthening or widening and, and going too slowly. Right. It, it, you, something's really messed up if you're 50% slower to get that little microbeat to go from your atrial chamber down through to your bundle of hiss. And what they found, that pilots who were never allowed to fly, if they had anything above the 0.2, maybe 0.22 or 0.24, maybe that was allowed, okay? But anything above that, anything getting closer to 3 or 3 itself, you could not fly because it's dangerous because you could have a heart block and collapse while working. Mm. The USFAA a year ago found that they had to change the criteria and they had to say it's okay to be a pilot all the way up to 0.3. We're now letting you fly right right up to having the 0.3, the number that we used to say you couldn't fly with, We're calling that normative for guys. And you know why? If they didn't say that, they would have lost one-third of their pilots.
0: One-third of the
1: pilots pilots are showing this lengthened PR interval. And they're being allowed to fly. And you've seen the results. You've seen the uh, the planes being landed with only one pilot and one in the other chair is dead. Uh, We Mm -hmm. haven't lost that we know of a plane to that yet, but we're going to. It's a matter of time. It's a matter of time, and again, myocarditis does a lot of things. It can kill you in that first year when you get the electrical going the wrong direction and the sudden collapse like the football player in Buffalo a long time ago. I'm absolutely sure that that was a myocarditic, hidden myocarditic right. response. And uh, many others, many others. Dear Dan Hartman, who lost his son, Sean, and they are my close friends, the whole family. And mm-hmm. Sean should be a strapping 19 to 20-year-old right now, getting ready for hockey and playing like any happy Canadian lad. But he died at age 17 because he was forced by his, I guess you'd call it the athletic system and the school system, right. and forced by his own government that allowed these systems to require it. And the governments of Ontario and the governments of all of Canada forcing children who were prone to having a hyperimmune response, the hyperimmune attack against the cells, which again creates the dead cells in the heart, the hyperimmune attack comes from the spike being attacked by your healthy, healthy immune system. And that's why the youngest among us, they had their death rates go up from one in a million up to 300 in a million. You know, like it's a big change. It's not up into the numbers I talked about, about the myocarditis, but it's still huge. Uh, Britain, by the way, the number in Britain, that's where... Before it was released to be given to children, and it was only in adults for the first part of 2021, well, all through 2021, there were volunteer families, volunteer families that wanted to help and know, well, was it going to be safe for children if we started it in September of 21? Let's really test it between January of 21 and September of 21. So uh, in a lot of countries, they tested it. They kept the two groups separate. They'd maybe have 20,000 kids in one arm who were only going to get salt water in their arms. They'd have 20,000 in the other arm of the study who got the real Pfizer or got the real Moderna. And they just watched them. And, uh, you know, everything was secret, double blind. The researchers didn't know who'd received the real stuff and who'd received the just salt water. But everything was done on paperwork carefully. So they had the group of 40,000 children to compare nine months later. And uh, they opened up the envelope. They thought they'd see a 10% improvement by kids who got the shot. Maybe a few of them. Oh, wait a minute. Kids don't die of COVID. I guess you can't go from not dying at all to dying even less. Okay. But they were looking at all cause mortality. How many children are simply alive nine months later in the two groups? One fully vaccinated with two full shots. At that point, that was full. And one zero vaccinated. The zero vaccinated had the normal low, low, low death rate. And the double vaccinated children died 5200 percent more their rate of death was 52 times that of what was expected it was a microscopic tiny little number out of a million and it was a number that was 52 times that it still you know it goes from a really really low number and it goes up just 50 times it's still extremely extremely rare in children because children don't die
0: much
1: but they weren't hit by a bus they just died strangely And they died numerically way too much, 52 times more. I don't want to be in the group that's dying 52 times more. As a mother or a father, I don't want to be taking my child for an injection that makes them 52 times more likely to die because they've received that injection. That's bad math. That's bad family care. And we've been foisted because the British study was there. It was reported on on February the 2nd. I reported on it in a major interview with one of your colleagues, uh, Laurel Lynn Tyler Thompson in mid-February yes. and spoke about, we even wore sweatshirts that showed 52 on the front of it, 52 times and a blood drop beside it. We were trying to tell the world that children were going to die 52 times more than they should if they continue to get these shots. And here's what the people at the CDC and people in our governments decided to do. They didn't even wait for that study to come out in the September of 21 which was six months before the study came out to tell them it was a mess. They, the teachers unions and other factors made it happen in the schools in September of 2021, saying it was too dangerous to not do it. Well, the real sadness is that once the real facts came out, that you're 52, and by the way, it went to 82. By May of 2022, when I was already starting to make my speeches, by May of 2022, the number from Britain had gone from 52 times more likely to die to 82 times more likely to die if you were double-vaxxed. And, and I think at that point, some were getting triple-vaxxed. So uh, the number's obvious. We've been shouting that it's obvious. We've written papers to our premiers. We've written papers to our prime minister. We've ri- written papers, uh, Dr. Trozy, myself, and many other people, of the facts. No one wants to know the facts because it proves what jackasses they were to approve something for children that mm-hmm. should never have been given to them. And uh, yes. you know Dan, Dan Hartman's family lost a child and many, many thousands of families across Canada are not just losing them to death, they're losing them to uh, paralysis where they're in wheelchairs where they didn't need to be, where they've got seizures all day that they didn't used to have. and this is because they're both neurodamaging. Cardiac damaging, immune damaging. Those are the big three. Neurologic damaging, cardiac damaging, and immune damaging. And I'm not mentioning right now the fourth, but the fourth is fertility damaging. We don't have quite the accurate statistics on that as we do on the other three types of illnesses. But my suspicions are very, very strong. We've certainly seen a drop in birth rates in most of the Western nations in the last two years. It isn't from slipping on a banana pill that the fertility rates have gone down. They have gone down because we've got a fertility-damaging drug that we're repeatedly poking into our bodies. Um, We know we need to stop. I know it. And as the people listening in continue to inform themselves from many sources, don't just listen to me. I'm just one doctor who's listened to a lot of doctors. But the doctors are out there. Dr. McCullough in particular, he's fabulous. Uh, But there are others, Dr. Trozzi. I could,
0: I could name 20. Excellent. Excellent work there, doctor. <clears throat> we had 3,632 unknown deaths in 2011 here in Alberta. It was the number one cause of death. People weren't really talking about it, but now we can start talking about it. Vaccine related? you believe that
1: 100%? Well, put it this way. The overall death rate, unexplained deaths and total deaths didn't go up in 2020, 2020, Everything was flat. The total number of deaths in the world were the same 70 million that it is every year. 1% of people die every year, 1%. The reason it doesn't look so different on the street year after year is 99% of people that start the year are still around at the end of the year. You only right. lose 1% of the world's population in a given year. Makes
0: well, sense, we're about 100 years old. Uh, well,
1: yeah, yeah it's a variety <laughs> of reasons, but yes, absolutely. And then, but that went to 1.5 and now 2.1%. The numbers of people dying in a year, in the last couple of years, have snuck up. Everybody's worried about a a 0.02 of a Celsius change in quote-unquote global warming. Maybe you should be interested in a 1.1 true percent increase in death, so that goes from 1% to 2.1%. These are the numbers that I've talked about a little bit in that video. And maybe we could go back to the video that we just had, continue yeah. along from that 545 point or wherever we were, and let's just see where we get to after about five minutes. Would it that be okay? Good, Doctor. Yeah. Okay, thank right you. Now. thanks a lot. Very, very close. Denmark, we were happy to free you from Nazi oppression in the 1940s. Canadian citizens, did you know out there, when Canada only had 11 million population, one million of our citizens went over into the active armed forces to fight in and for europe one-tenth of our population went to battle and lost their lives to help europe become europe again well we're saying thank you to denmark today for what they're doing for us denmark is giving us the wonderful example that they've stopped giving the vaccine to anyone 50 or under they've stopped Under incredible circumstances, they might require a doctor's order or a doctor's signature to get it. But without that doctor's order or signature, the person cannot just blindly wander into the clinic and get the vaccine. Denmark has recognized the toxicity. They have major blocked it for children. Children was the first group that they banned to receive the vaccine. And for good reason. 5,200%, 8,200%. Those are the amounts that 10 to 14-year-olds die more if they're vaccinated. 10 to 14-year-olds, their normally minuscule death rate advances by 82 to 100 times higher in British studies. Office of National Statistics of Great Britain has proven, and we've written letters and will continue to write letters, both to our own colleges and to our premiers and around the world, It's, I mean, I I almost collapse standing here and thinking about it, thinking and knowing of Sean Hartman and his dear parents, both of them, lost in having lost a 17-year-old boy, a perfectly healthy 17-year-old boy who was coerced into getting a mandated vaccine. And he was dead 30 days later, four days after he got the shot. And he only got a single shot four days after the shot. He had massive headache. He had purplish, brownish blood hemolysis under his eyes. And it's because his brain was being ravaged. His brain was being attacked by the fact that spike protein was in his body. Spike protein was in the vessels of his brain and his own immune system was attacking him. And children are at greater risk. All you parents out there, don't give your five-month-old this shot. Don't give your nine-year-old this shot. Don't give your 12-year-old this shot. Their immune systems are strong. And people with the strongest immune system are at the greatest risk of dying of the vaccine. And that's why, although adults are 200 and 300% more likely to die from the vaccine, and that's a horrible number, children are more likely to die of the vaccine because of their strong immune systems. They react even more vociferously, and their death rates are 52 to 100 times higher if you're a vaccinated child. Again, I barely can hold onto the microphone i think about these things i think about family after family that will continue to lose their children a child who has to go to university a child who's now 17 or 18 or 19 but now their chance of myocarditis is so much more raised if they take any of these bio agents and with myocarditis events happening there's no such thing as mild myocarditis once you've had myocarditis and once it's demonstrable and once there's been enzyme changes, and once there's been echocardiogram changes of any nature, 50% of people who get that diagnosis of myocarditis, when the diagnosis, everybody knew 10 years ago, if you've got myocarditis, you're dead in five years, 50% of you. 50% of you will be dead in five years. I hate to say this, for some people who've received it, I hope you're in the 50% who don't die in five years. But 50 50- who do get myocarditis. Myocarditis means damage and inflammation and death of heart cells. It's not a heart attack. It's not a blockage of vessels to your heart, but it's a tragic damage. Hundreds of thousands and millions of cells of your heart are dying and being turned into straw by an inflammatory process. Once you've got too many of your heart cells turned into straw by an inflammatory process called myocarditis, do you think that heart's going to be working very well five years from now? No, it's not. And that dear person is going to have three or four years of gradually worsening heart failure and fatigue and inability to participate in sports. And their whole life changed because idiots in the World Health Organization, idiots in politics, have said, well, you just got to take this stuff. Trust us. Go ahead. Take it. Trust you. You don't have a clue. You don't, you don't know what you're doing scientifically. You don't know what you're doing damaging Stop damaging our population. I don't know quite how I want to conclude, but I, I feel at a point that I might be concluding.
0: Uh but we pause there and then we'll make that the third part.
1: You know what? I, I think just just carry on. It's not that much it's longer and it and it's a good flavor for
0: people to just see to the end. It, Thank it's okay. You.
1: It Thank would you. be to speak to speak to the mothers out there, the mothers and the fathers. You want grandchildren. How fertile do you think your child's 12-year-old ovaries are going to be if her little 12-year-old ovaries have been attacked by an inflammatory process brought about by spike protein being brought into her ovaries on purpose by slippery little particles, these slippery little tiny nanoparticles. They've got to be awfully tiny to get 40 trillion into your body in one little shot. So these tiny little particles, they're pretty small and they're pretty tricky and they cross the blood-brain barrier and they create long COVID and damaged to your brain. They cross the ovaries and make you infertile. They go into the testes and make you infertile at least for six months. It takes you six months to recover from a COVID shot if you're an adult male and have received it. Your sperm count goes down 50% for the six months following the COVID shot. Hearing much about that on mainstream television? I don't think so, but it's happening. So if it's damaging children's ovaries, if it's damaging men's testes, if it's damaging seven-year-old boys' testes, do you think that's good for your having grandchildren? So everybody from Belgium to Washington State, to Australia, to Saskatoon, and right here in Mississauga and in Toronto, stop hurting your immune system. Stop them right now. I say to every premier in Canada, do what you can to discourage your people from getting these vaccinations. And most importantly, get ivermectin on the shelves. Because ivermectin saves you if you have long COVID. Ivermectin saves you if you have vaccine injury. And ivermectin saves you if you've got simple COVID itself. It was always the proven drug. It had been proven for 12 years. 12 years of study were put into ivermectin being approved as the drug to be used when and if there was another COVID It was in print. And somehow everybody's forgot it, that in 2012 it was in print, that ivermectin, a human medicine that's been actively used for 40 years, was the game changer if ever we had another COVID infection. And yet it happens in 2019. Oh, it happens on purpose, because certain people designed and made this sucker. But when made on purpose, those same people who made it on purpose also very purposefully hid the known scientific evidence that ivermectin had been researched for eight to ten years and was the proven agent that should be used to keep the entire world safe if ever there was a covid infection so i end with that the fix was in the people made the virus have the toxic elements and the people made sure that the vaccine would have the toxic elements in the vaccine as well because the vaccine is actually 10 times more lethal than the simple virus inhaled through your nose. So take care of ourselves. Get this across the world. Stop using the injections. They only damage your immune system. We'll save each other by doing that. God bless us all. I'm Dr. Chris Allen Shoemaker from Toronto, Canada. God bless us all. Thank you, Freedom yeah. People.
0: Yeah, I wanted to leave that message up so that people can go donate and go follow that independent media. Because the next thing I'm going to highlight to you is this should be all over the front page of newspapers all over the world. In a normal time, this is, would be the headline. We'd be fighting, let like crazy in media, government and everywhere. Yeah. This is proof we're not in normal, normal time at all. No. No, we're not
1: in normal time. In normal time, uh, you and I could both be on Global and CBC talking about these things, but we're not allowed to be. And shame on them. Shame on every person in, quote-unquote, upper echelon of media and communication and politics in this country. I'm not inventing this stuff. You're not inventing this stuff, my dear friend. Uh the people who are making comments with us and whose hearts are aligned with us we appreciate your support so much as we simply let people know the scientific truth and the frightening truth of it all uh, i'll i have to pause for a minute thank you
0: there no, you go you go now the This is an attack on a generation for sure. So the ovaries in young girls, the testes in young men, we don't really know for a little bit. And we might take 20 years to really find out exactly how much damage this was. Um, I started to wonder a couple months ago, doctor, that Mm -hmm. are we going to run into a situation where um, we're going to have to try and avoid... Vaxed people trying to mate with non-vaxxed people is there going to be damage to the baby what's going to happen to the baby is there a way to have babies with two vaxxed people like we don't have these studies yet these are going to start coming out but what's your uh, hunch as you're uh, analyzing this because it's going after testes is going after the ovaries and are we going to be able to have healthy babies after this
1: oh well, that's an awfully big question that i'd be pretty foolish to say i could really answer i will i'll metaphorically talk about it with you I certainly think that, uh, you know, we've survived any number of terrible toxins uh, going through society from black plague to poisonings, gas poisonings and stuff in military measures, uh, atomic bombs, uh, having nuclear facilities in our environments. I mean, there's just so many things, the way our foods are prepared well or not so well, fluoride in in our water, just just the many toxins that are around. We nonetheless tend to have the ability to cleanse our souls and cleanse our bodies and cleanse our ovaries and cleanse our testicles and and, and make babies still. So I, I'm an optimist. I think that regardless of individual harm here and there, that will probably reduce fertility in again, say three, four, five percent of humanity, I think that ninety-five percent of humanity vaxxed or unvaxed will probably remain reasonably fertile. And that is certainly my hope. I do not feel hopeful of it, however, if we are silly enough to continue to listen to central agencies of health, if we allow world agencies to say what's a pandemic and when's a pandemic, and that it's okay to just take unproven drugs and go ahead and take unproven drugs, Hey, the stuff that we put in, it, it gets damaged in the way we've said. It's also damaged in other ways. There's something called prion disease that becomes more likely because of these shocks. And there's proof that in the RNA-DNA, I've got some information about RNA-DNA that I guess I should talk about now. But I'm willing Please, to say right now, I still have an optimism about the overall fertility and survival, but it does require us to say no to needles in our arms. We have to say no for the reasons that we've just outlined. I I think now would be the perfect time for me to talk about something that I've done two major talks about recently. One of them was with uh, uh, Jim Ferguson, uh, a journalist out of the United States, sorry, out of the United Kingdom. And I did it just 24 hours ago, and Jim has just put it out in the last 12 hours. But there's a major discussion in there by me with him about myocarditis injury. But I've let the audience know that next week I'll be talking about DNA aberrations. In the shots and here's the deal dna was always required to make rna this dna was well that was the that was the golden goose that's what fauci and wanted and that's what dasik wanted out of the research they wanted genomes and genomes are dna portions of dna short chains of dna that could be linked in and made part of a coronavirus or made part of a uh, of making a vaccine and the whole thought they put dna into a sludge they stir it up in with bacteria and the like, and it's inside the bacteria in these huge beer kettle kind of vats, is how they stir it all up, and they get the DNA to populate and replicate, and then the DNA... Um, I just have to do something about my... I don't want to lose our signal, just give me a second. But I'll be back on sure, the sir. DNA topic in just a second. Don't want to lose our... Okay. We should be fine, we'll be charging on. DNA generated by fauci and others was used to make rna in the big vats but with good technique technique that any competent scientist knows how to do you pull back the bacteria sludge you pull back the dna that's in that bacterial sludge and none of the dna that was used to make that rna ever appears in the vaccine it's supposed to be only pure rna in pure Lipid nanoparticles, that's what's supposed to be going in.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, Dr. Kevin McKernan, assisted in the analysis by Karen Kingston out of the U.S. and Sasha Latapova out of the U.S. and by Jessica Rose out of Canada. And between what these four people have done, they have given us undeniable proof that the weight of genetic material that is in every shot is only two-thirds RNA. The other one-third mm. is actually the DNA, DNA. deoxyribonucleic acid is fully 33% of the genetic payload is what's gone into every human. This is the worst and the saddest news that I could give to myself or that I could give to anyone else who's had a couple of shots. We have received that genetic component and it's not so much, well, I guess it is that it's somewhat changing your genetics. It's certainly in the nucleus of your cell. When you get this brought into by a plasmid, 33% of the weight, that's 13 trillion DNA chains. And those chains have the ability to go into the nucleus because the idea about plasmids, they don't just get it into the cell part of your cells, the outer cell or the cytoplasm. When it goes in by plasmid, plasmid could physically get into the nucleus. It's intended to get into the nucleus. And so 33% of what's put into all of us is intended to get into our nucleus, does get into our nucleus and The major difference that makes is that you can be making spike for 10 years instead of just 10 months. With mRNA, you are always going to make it for about 10 months. With the DNA, there's the potential that it's going to go on for 8 to 10 years. That, I... uh, Gosh, it's the second time this week that I've given a talk on this, and I'm starting to collapse a little bit under the truth of it all. Because it is the truth. It's scary, unfortunately inappropriate truth. And could a doctor with a soul in this country, a doctor with a soul who's in a College of Physicians and Surgeons, could a pharmacist with a soul who's at the top of the College of Pharmacy, could a politician with a soul start to listen to this truth? You go double check it. Don't believe me. Believe Kevin McKernan. Believe those other corroborating scientists. And believe you me. The junk we're putting in our arms is two-thirds of a junk called mRNA, and that's harmful enough. And the other one-third is DNA, which gives you the ability to make RNA for 10 years minimum. That is unfortunate as well as obscene.
0: Is that mutating the nucleus at all? Is that changing the DNA in the human's body at all? Or is it just causing it to create spiked proteins?
1: It's just changing it in this one way. It's making it a wonderful factory, be it's heart cell or brain cell. It's allowing it to be on top of the other things that it's going to do just normally to survive and to replicate itself when it needs to. It's now going to be replicating itself to have this extra little spiky protein-making component to it. It's, it's not changing the rest of your genetics. It hasn't taken away my soul that is in there with me. I'm still hanging in as a human being. Thank you very much. But it is making it likely that I have to keep taking pine needle tea or dandelion tea or nigella sativa. And if I have a real flare-up, take some ivermectin. It's making me have to do those things when I actually simply wanted to be a healthy late-in-his-career doctor. And now I have to fight to be healthy. But I'm healthy enough to tell the truth
0: that I am. Great. Thank you. So the doctors early were saying... Pregnant women can take it. It's not going to harm the baby. It's not going to go to the baby. We now know that that's not true.
1: Yeah, complete lie. Complete and utter lie. James Thorpe, Jim Thorpe out of the U.S. would talk to you for three hours about that. Complete lie.
0: And do you think it's modifying any of the DNA in the mother or the father and creating a child which has slightly different DNA than the parents?
1: Nah, I can't really get into that because I can't. I'm I, I just willing to say it's for the localized effect and it's the one and only kind of effect.
0: Okay? Well, uh, I love that answer because you're not speculating or, or stretching the truth at all. You're, you're sticking with what you know and understand.
1: And what I do know about the babies is this. What we know is that death rates in early pregnancy, three, four, five, six times normal. Number of abortions and spontaneous abortions, as they're called, spontaneous early pregnancy losses, skyrocketing huge number. Those huge numbers were in Pfizer's own data. The FDA approved it in spite of the fact that it showed tremendous harm to menstrual function and tremendous harm in early losses. Pfizer then also got in a particular set of children where they watched right to the end of term, and they had a subset that they didn't expect to tell people about. It was only 29, but 28 out of the 29 women in that particular group that they didn't expect to release 28 out of 29 lost their babies. 23 lost them in early pregnancy, not too surprisingly. They got probably a shot early in the pregnancy or maybe when they didn't know they were pregnant and they lost it in early pregnancy. But five more lost in late pregnancy, stillbirths, deaths in utero. Uh, One child that died in the first day with some malformations while born. So this was known to Pfizer, declared by Pfizer. And by being declared by Pfizer, it means it was known to the FDA and it was known to the CDC. They know this amount of harm and they were still willing to approve it. It's sickening. And that's on the pregnancy side. Mm -hmm. On the common sense side, do you know that we stopped the MERS vaccine, the virus to MERS, and there was a vaccine for that, I think, in the around 2009. And way back in the 1970s, there was a swine flu vaccine. Both those vaxes were stopped dead in the water when there was Bears data and other data that showed that there was 12 or 15 worldwide deaths from, but definitely from the VAX. But those 12 or 15 deaths were enough to stop that program. And what bad happened because stopping the program? MERS went away, swine flu went away, no big deal, society survived it, that the mm-hmm. vaccine was only used for a month. And fifteen deaths was not to stop those two vaccines. Well, in that same right. one month period, a very careful looking at how many people are dying because of this vax we're choosing to give people—twenty thousand, 20,000 proven vax deaths worldwide in the first two months—and uh, and the liars can just lie to us since kind of either not tell us about it or it just doesn't get sussed out by reporters we 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 learn two and a half years later that those are the numbers pretty pretty awful
0: you believe this was created, you mentioned that in the video, you believe there's people who caused this. You believe that the COVID itself was part of it, but then the vaccine was 10 times worse. It was to create the cause and fear. So you go ahead and take it, whether you catch the COVID or not, you're gonna have that dose inside of you. I don't disagree with you at all there, doctor, at all. Um, bring up a little article here from early in COVID where Canada ordered 400 million vaccine shots. And this was in May, 2021. Since this article, doctor, uh, we've built a vaccine um, factory in the Montreal area, which is going to be doing 100 million shots. This order alone is 10 shots for every man, woman, child and to be born uh, in Canada. Did they know all along, and is this to really kill us? What do you think is going on with this? Why is there 10 shots for every man, woman, child being ordered?
1: Well, someone knew that... uh... Someone wanted repeated shots to be the the norm. And it's so waste. A a real shot lasts. You get a couple of rabies shots into your pets. Maybe you need one more 10 years later or something, but that's it. You you don't need shots every six months to keep you from getting rabies. Mm -hmm. These shots just don't work. They have to be given more often because they don't work. They don't work for the purpose. They damage you. They create an antibody that does you no good. And... So I imagine that the people, because actually the science was clear, as I said at the very beginning of the program, the science was completely clear from 2002 onwards, and even the 10 years before that, every competent virologist knew that you cannot vaccinate against a coronavirus no matter what's in it. Coronavirus themselves are hardy little buckers, and to the extent that they are changed by circumstance, and especially if they're changed by a vaccine, all they will do is turn into a more problematic version of themselves. Then if you leave them alone, let them float through children for whom they can't harm. Children actually is the reservoir that was the safety net for the whole world. Leaving the children alone would have been a safety net for the whole world. The viruses that would end children. They went there just to die as viruses, not to make a child die. Viruses die right. inside children because they have the amazing, terrific ability to just wipe out that little virus. And to them, it's just basically the sniffles. Mm-hmm. But because the reservoir of children was damaged and we didn't really have the legitimate reservoir of children for some of the viri to go to, it's gonna keep going. Uh, they, they became more problematic viruses. They beca- and they'll be more problematic this fall again. And when they are telling everybody in Canada this fall, Oh, my goodness, we're having the worst circumstance ever. We really need our shots more than ever. They are lying to you. Yes, it's bad. Yeah, But here's so what we do. So, Because I know you want to get on in the second half of the program into some positive things. And what can we do to be healthy in spite of the chicanery? Mm-hmm. Vitamin D is crucial. Get vitamin D3 and take it in an amount that makes sense to you, whether it's 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. Some people think you should take 10,000 units a day. I wouldn't go that high. But I would say <laughs> somewhere between 2 and 4,000 units daily through the wintertime would be a very, very important thing to do. Uh, zinc ionophores, such as Nigella sativa, Negella sativa is sort of the uh, nutraceutical version of ivermectin. It's not too bad. It does a pretty reasonable job, and so I wouldn't be against using that if you had an active infection that seemed to be in the COVID line, have ivermectin if you can use that and use it for the three days and get over it in three days. Um, Zinc ionophores, other zinc ionophores, the hydroxychloroquine is equally safe, but I can't prescribe it. And doctors in Canada right now can't prescribe it for COVID. But the truth is that a four or five day course of hydroxychloroquine is equally assistive against uh, these conditions. That's my little dog, Charlie, just having a moment to say hello from the side and uh, just show you a little warmth from my life. My little lab boxer mix, whose name is Charlie. How you doing, bud?
0: Hey, Charlie, and, nice uh, to meet you.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's a quiet soul, so that's fine. Mm. So, um, But here's the website to go to, everybody. The couple it of words already... that I've mentioned and the couple of products, you can go to a website which will give you 40 pages of very clear information and you can pick from among the choices. And just pick from among the choices. You don't have to pick more than the three or four things to do. Pick the three or four things that make sense to you. But the source is flcc.net. flccc.net. 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 They C-C-C. have a section on COVID detox or spike detox or... Uh, vaccine Injury Assist. Believe me, it's easy to find if you just put in a couple of keywords and you'll get uh, wonderful, easy to read programs. One other excellent source for generalized support and information on this whole subject matter is, uh, uh, I just love Dr. Trozi. He's an important part of this whole scene. He's He he informed me when I look, started to learn from him on the on the web. That was one of the main points medically to be able to learn from him was a privilege. And Dr. Trozzi is with the World Council for Health, WCH, not the World Health Organization. They're the bad guys. Mm -hmm. World Council for (laughs) Health are the good guys. And they are in the process of creating a World Council for Health Canada and a World Council for Health Brazil and a World Council for Health France. They're going to make a World Council for Health agencies. And we're not going to try to be global. We want to be local. We want to be national. We want good advice coming to people from a nationally based World Health Health Organization. So it's worldcouncilforhealth.org. worldcouncilforhealth.org is an equally good website to go for, for good, accurate information about how to boost your immune system so that none of these things can harm you, and
0: you'll be fine. And that's even after you got the vaccine, this is stuff you can do to help clean yourself?
1: Oh, and that's what you're having to do, to, to really best treat yourself the doctors in the United States, I would like to be a doctor in ca- Canada right now, able to help you right now in a wheelchair, and I'd be able to help you get out of that wheelchair within three weeks to four months. Right now, they're just being treated with standard measures because they've got some kind of inflammation or myelitis that, you know, needs steroids or other things that, the you know, standard treatments for these conditions. But that's ignoring the fact that if it's spike protein caused, you can assist the myelitis to reduce if you use things that are good against spike. And ivermectin and some related drugs are highly, highly excellent against spike. And they are what your competent internists and your competent general practitioners should be allowed to do to help you. I'm sorry that you're going to have to go out and, to a certain extent, wing it and find out the information for yourself and get the product for yourself. Use it only in the low and normal and appropriate dosages that you're supposed to use. Get some real medical advice, direct medical advice. You can't take advice from me because I can't give a medical advice right now but get the medical advice from someone as to an amount and circumstance to be helpful to you. Mm-hmm. It's tragic that the vaccine injured are trying to have to help themselves when society hamstrings the doctors and won't let the doctors. Do- I mean, we doctors learn as we treat. You've got to give us a chance to learn, make some small mistakes, and, but in a general sense, move in the right direction. If you give us the right to practice with pills and medicines that are known to us. And we do know and understand ivermectin. We're able to use it to cure your child with scabies. We'd be delighted to use it to cure your child or yourself with myelitis and partial paralysis because of vaccine injury. Isn't it tragic that we're being prevented? Thank you.
0: Why is it that your colleagues who should know better can read the data and do the same research that you're doing? See if They appear to be too scared to do something or, or they just don't have the data why is there a large portion of your colleagues who are still pushing this and not making the, the, the kind of noise you are?
1: Uh, doctors aren't saints. Doctors have mortgages to pay. And doctors, some of them are a little bit immoral. That's what I say to the people who don't join me in the real facts and in really helping the vaccine injured and in helping to prevent vaccine injury by avoiding all future mRNA slash DNA shots of all types. Exogenous mRNA and DNA does not belong in the human body for any reason. Again, it was only ever used for people who only had five months to live. That was the only condition prior to COVID-19 that these kind of traveling little nanoparticle spaceships were allowed to go into a person because they were just so toxic and made even more toxic. Now that spike generating mRNA and DNA is allowed to go in with it. Uh, I'm going to take a break. I'm just going to invite maybe that you could tell me a little bit about the two final videos I sent you. I'll choose between the two if you can describe them to me, please.
0: Uh, well, we got Shadow maybe? Davis queued up right now. And Shadow yeah. Davis is ready to and, go right now. And,
1: that's, and what was the other one? Can you just remind me what the final one was? Uh, I just don't want to be
0: unsure about yeah. its title or circumstance. It, just take me a moment to go get to it. Yes. Sure, man. <clears throat> uh, please watch an exclusive clip from Jim Ferguson, UK.
1: Oh, I got that. I, I, uh, now I know what that one's all about. Okay.
0: So you want um, Tato or you want the UK?
1: Since we've just been talking about DNA and RNA, and I was just giving you the unfortunate news that Dr. Kevin McKernan is the scientific source for clear accuracy that one third of what's going into us was deoxyribonucleic nucleic acid or DNA, and only the rest was RNA. That's pretty big news. That's like killer news. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the Shadow Davis interview because that's the one where I'm talking about DNA.
0: Sounds good. I'm going to pull it up right now. And here we go.
1: To the billions, not a a wit. Polio is a very, very low numbers of the inert viral component that goes into you and safely prevents you from getting polio. But this, and I just want to repeat the number for everyone at the beginning, in every shot, Pfizer and Moderna both admit that there's 40 trillion mRNA generating factories that go in with every shot. 40,000 billion, 40 times 10 to the 12th is what's going into you with every shot. In polio, there's only 80, 8 What business does a legitimate vaccination program have with putting in something that's putting in 40 trillion entities into your body every six
0: to nine months? It's absolutely insane. Wow. <clears throat> wow, <Yeah>. Doctor, I'm <laughs> I'm here. And
1: again, thirteen yeah. trillion is DNA, twenty-seven trillion is mRNA. That's that's the total of the forty trillion. And that's what McKernan proved. Um
0: My next question is around accountability. How do we undo this? How do we hold people accountable? Is there a way for the people to come forward, more doctors like you? What is it that you think we need to do to quickly address this and maybe try and turn some of this around?
1: um, uh, Just because I have to, uh, I'm going to give you a good answer to that. But I think if we could do that final video just right now, that, that one I gave you was a little short for the purpose. Let's just go to the final video. And this is me talking literally just last night in my suit and tie, talking over to Great Britain. And it was published this morning at 9 a.m. British time. And uh, with uh, Jim Ferguson, who's interviewing me, uh, please just listen in for a couple of minutes, please. And then we'll finish up together, you and myself, Jason. Okay. My pleasure. It was into the many, many millions. I mean, it, it was about half of that, it was, you know, about 23 and a half, 24 million. I mean, well, I, have... I don't we might be crossing the numbers here a little bit. Remember, we yeah. actually have to have a form of proven myocarditis before we talk about death rates. OK. And just okay. because you've been vaccinated does not mean you're going to have myocarditis. But sadly, right. if you do have it in even a mild form, you end up being in a tough situation. and and we should not have been put in this tough situation by the government, if I could just mention a small thing that's really just scientific, it's got nothing to do with government choices and the like, it's just purely scientific. Why is it that your heart is being attacked? Like what's actually attacking your heart? What does this mean, this biofibriditis? And I can explain it very simply. The spike protein, and you do get 40 trillion spikes, you get 40 trillion spikes put into you in every shot. So this is enough to go into every cell of your body. But if any of those 40 trillion spikes are being factorized or made in your myocardial cells. If your heart cells have received say 10,000 of these spike factories into them, then you've got 10,000 heart cells that are waving a flag to your your own healthy immune system. And they're saying to your own healthy immune system, hey, I'm not your heart. Uh, it's, It's not the heart you were used to. It's got these strange foreign alien type spikes on them Uh, you'd better come and take it out because it's like having a heart transplant put into you, but there's nothing to protect you from your immune system because your body is falsely believing that your heart is no longer your heart because it's been hijacked by the presence of spite in your heart cells. It's off after it in a rather crazy tough way, kills thousands and thousands of your health's heart cells because it thinks it's trying to hurt a heart that is not your own. And that That's why there's sudden deaths. That's why there's slow deaths. I believe there's a slight stop in our talk just at the moment. Yeah, I just noticed that. Well, I think we're back to normal. And as I say, that's what hurts your heart, is that your own body, your own healthy immune system is going against a spike that's been inappropriately put there.
0: And, I mean, some of that... Wow. Thank you for sharing that with the world for starters. I just want to say something to you quickly here, Doctor. Thank you. God bless you. What you're doing here is amazing. And I'm sorry that not enough people are listening right now. This is blowing my mind that we have the expert who knows what they're talking about here being ignored. Uh, So thank you for for continuing this fight because you have to do a fight here. uh, Just to get this information out. So I appreciate that. I just wanted you to know that.
1: Well, whatever hundreds are out there or 70s are out there, I know it'll be replayed in other circumstances. And, and in one fashion or another, I'll be on, for example, with Mr. Jim Ferguson out of the United Kingdom uh, as soon as another week from now. And you just have to keep doing what you're doing. Uh, that picture that I just described, I, I, I'm very comfortable with that picture. I know a, a, a pathologist uh, with a extensive experience both in Germany and Canada, Michael Palmer, and he's worked with Arnie Burkhart out of Europe, And he's also worked with uh, Dr. Bhakti, Dr. Zaki Bhakti. Mm. Dr. Bhakti, Dr. Palmer, Dr. Burkhardt. These are three giants of pathology. And these giants of pathology showed me the slides that made me know what a big deal this was. Their slides, when they looked at the unexplained dropping deaths of people and the family had a suspicion that might be due to spike, didn't really know, but it was a strange death. And they, they want a real pathologist to look at it. And when they sliced the tissue of the dead and deceased family member, and they looked under the microscope, they would see in the heart cells of myocarditis, white cells, and they have a blue center, loads of these little white cells with blue centers in thousands and thousands of numbers, attacking each and every heart cell and turning the heart cell into an attacked heart cell. And also, it shows staining. It showed that the heart cell, the ones that the cells that were attracting the white cells from the human body to attack it massively, were the ones that stained brown. And it was a special brown stain that was developed by Bur- Dr. Burkhart to literally only show spike that came from the vax, spike that came from the the natural germ stains differently, and it doesn't have this mm-hmm. brown stain. But the staining of the the vax spike has a certain look, and so. The two things together, attack by the human white cells against the non-human spike that was sitting in the heart cells. And that's why I'm able to give the metaphor of the heart cell waving a flag. Hey, I'm not really yours. Do me, do what you want. And, and therefore, what you have existing in you and that terrible crushing chest pain that happens to the 22-year-old who then drops dead, that's from as if they'd had a transplanted heart done three months ago, but the doctor forgot to give the prevention against immune attack by your own body. They put the heart transplant in and the body is going to naturally attack the hell out of it and kill it. No patient survives a heart transplant if they don't have their entire immune system blocked down by medical measures because the body is just sitting there waiting for an event like this for their heart to not seem or not be their own heart. And when it does Mm -hmm. perceive that, it's slow or quick myocarditic change, attack, and death. And that's why we now have a number that should be one in a million historically. And it's now 30,000 per million. 30,000 per million. Proven myocarditic BASIL study published in July of this year. They actually had the data in January of 2022. And they were so scared and embarrassed to give this data That they didn't get it out then, but one mechanism or another made it become public. And so now it's public knowledge. We've made ourselves between 30,000 and 100,000 more likely to die of myocarditis than we should be. That's a sick number. And the people who've authorized this should be more than put in jail.
0: Yeah, we'll leave it at that because I, I think we can come up with a lot of things to give them more than jail, uh, but we'll leave it at that on that one. Um, blood transfusions, uh, can you, if you get a blood transfusion from somebody who has a vaccine, and you're non-vax, is it going to cause problems? And uh, if so, why are they not allowing us to select a non-vax blood supply?
1: Well, everybody likes their jobs to be easy, right? The teachers wanted their job to be easy and it was going to be easier to sit at home and and say that they were afraid of what kids could give them, because teachers don't know shit about science, <laughs> except you know, ninety m- percent m- of them don't know, and Maybe. and so they were simply wrong on the science and thought that they were at some risk by the children coming to them, but they didn't realize what Sweden realized that the children coming around the teachers would actually be good for the teachers' health, and good for the children's health both, and everybody would benefit from the the natural ebb and flow of of children being able to be in society. Stop it.
0: And stop the um, virus at that level.
1: That's right. That's
0: right. Just just through, norma-
1: through normality and natural immunity would be allowed to occur in both the teachers and the children. The frightening thing is that when people got the real virus, and let's say they were better, they were fully recovered from the real virus. Oh, and then to go to university, the healthy, strapping football player already had his nasty COVID. He's over it. Whatever. He's just ready to get back to life. He can't go and play football at his school unless he gets double or triple vaxxed. Well, you know what that 20-year-old has become? He's got the immune system of a 12-year-old. In other words, it's even stronger than it should be. He's got a stronger immune system than he ought to against COVID and spike because he's been primed. He's been primed because he's a recovered person from having had immunity exposure. So then he gets a double or a triple shot. He's dying on the football field within the year because his whole immune system is too strong for what he's already been exposed to. And uh, he, he, he hyperattacks. He hyperattacks against himself. He hyperattacks against the injective spike because he was made to have a hyperly strong and unduly strong immune attack. It's, it's wow. just a crime.
0: Crime. Um, you use the right so, word so, there. Crime.
1: So the mandates, the whole point about mandate is that we shouldn't mandate health issues. A person should be able to decide almost on instinct whether something's not right for them. If on instinct you see that the surgeon is not looking too coherent, who's hovering over your bed and offering to do your surgery, if on instinct you just say, no, I'm not agreeing to the surgery, I'll I'll wait for the new surgeon tomorrow, you're allowed to make that choice. Until you sign that paper, you haven't given permission for the surgical or the medical act on your body and for us to have been yeah we oh we got people to sign all right but we got them to sign without due information we got them to sign without knowing that all the animals that were given lipid nanoparticles in the 20 years of research always died just from the lipid nanoparticles which are the carriers of the mrna were we informed of that as we let them put 40 trillion into our arms? No, we were uninformed. We were not allowed to have informed consent. And we were also not allowed to give because we're uninformed. We were not allowed to refuse. We were coerced. You would refuse and don't pay your mortgage. You refuse and lose your job. You talk to people about that. There's more safety in refusing. And essentially that's the only bad thing I'm doing. I'm talking to say the reality that it's, there's a, Huge informations which shows you're more safe by refusing this shot. that is a crime according to my college, and so they take away my livelihood so talk about coercion each and every one of us has been coerced in one way or another and and had a suffering because of that coercion and you've seen it with many of your other guests on your show and I applaud you for the work you're doing Jason you your, your help you're making it all out there and it's a privilege to be with you here today thank you brother.
0: Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for that. You actually touched me deep on that one. Um, my concern here, doctors, I didn't do the VAX. My family didn't do the VAX, but at some point I might need a kidney. At some point I might be in a car accident and need some blood. At some point I might just need to go in and get some sort of something to do with my body. Maybe I need to do a checkup. Maybe I need to find out what's going on. Maybe my instincts are telling me to go see a doctor, but they won't see me or, or they'll give me a kidney that, came from a person vaccinated are these true concerns that i should be having or or do we know yet what would happen with a transplanted from a vax to non-vax or blood transfusion do we not know yet or do we have some information on that
1: well the the information is early and not particularly clear so i'll but i will say this i think the least injurious way of having this into you is by inhaling it, by having the infection, and by then just perhaps quickly dealing with it with the aid of some nutraceuticals getting over it. That's the least troublesome way to get spike. The second least troublesome way would be to have a blood product or a tissue product from another person put into you. That's actually the second least, close to the lowest form of it being a problem. It's a problem, but it's significantly lower than the worst way of getting it into. The worst is the jab. The worst in terms of numbers and repetition and likelihood of repeating, in my opinion, is the jab itself and repeated jabs themselves. So, you know, I'll I'll take a kidney transplant if I need it uh, five years from now, if, if it's being offered to me at the concentration camp that they put me into. Uh, you know, I'll take it.
0: I guess so. I guess so. And and what can we do maybe on a regulation level? I'm running for office. Hopefully one day I I win a seat. So what could lawmakers and legislation do? Could we maybe update the human rights code and and put medical status in there so that it's not a non-issue? Have you thought about maybe some uh, legislation that we might be able to implement that could assist people in the future? Hmm
1: uh well, only the, the basic concept that, you know, national and local choices are always more likely to be efficient rather than international. Uh, I think people in Serbia can figure out their health care. I think people in Nigeria have brilliant, smart people. Uh, I think that there's smart people in Germany and smart people in Canada. Why do we have to take, with the smart people in all of our individual countries, why are we turning to the people who are always often considered well, I wouldn't call them the wastelings of the medical society, but, you know, epidemiologists and world health people, I mean, you know, did, did we as doctors really, many of us want to be that? We were in there wanting to, you know, cut out an organ or or help someone with an orthopedic problem or, or or do a medical thing or or give someone actual treatment, you know, to only be interested in the flow of disease and and to pontificate from on high about how individual doctors and countries are going to be able to deal with their disease trust the individual countries the more global you go on this thing the less likely you are to have fair minded experts advising you if you want fair-minded advisors in quebec get them from quebec if you want fair-minded experts where because there the fair-minded expert would have to take a penalty if he gives really bad advice you know if that fair-minded advisor from Alberta is having to listen to someone from Belgium, then they're really not able to develop their own opinion, are they? And really help and advise the people of Alberta. So the biggest political need is cancel the WHO potential agreements, disagree with having those agreements, and make it more local, provincial, and you know a bit of federal overlook, fair enough. But only a bit. And that federal government should not be looking outside of itself for any implications for its population. Canada should be smart about its people. Canada shouldn't be listening to people from Brussels or Beijing, China, as to how we should take care of our Canadians.
0: I, I like this. So, what about revoking the Healthcare Act and putting healthcare back in the provinces and move it down even down to the regions or municipal level so that, so the that decisions can be made? There. That's
1: a good call. Yeah, you're aware of that possibility that that could happen if the appropriate things were rescinded. And then, what probably was the deal in the year 1900? I'm pretty sure that it was the province of Alberta that took care of just about everything that related to its decisions about infectious diseases in Alberta. And they weren't even turning to Ottawa much in those days. So some kind of uh, more localization of these things is what gives a chance for scientists having to be competent scientists and truthful scientists Mm. because their own citizens will come after them with pitchforks if they're not doing a good job. But right now they can just wave it off that, oh, the WHO told me to do it. Trust the WHO. Yeah, like I'd really trust the WHO after everything I've learned. I shouldn't, you shouldn't, Jace. nobody
0: should. Right. They're liars.
1: They're liars, period.
0: Now, when it comes to a research and knowledge sharing level, you're fine with sharing on a national level, even international, but on a decision level, on a mandate level, that definitely should be local.
1: I think you put that very well. I mean, doctors have to talk to doctors from other countries and, and administrators have to talk from other countries. Yeah, those discussions can exist, but a I, I, good point. Decision side should be based upon those mutual learnings. People in Winnipeg should know pretty well how to handle it. And you know what? We had our emergency preparedness. We had everything in print. There was a specialist from Alberta who spoke extensively about the emergency preparedness data and what to do and how to isolate and how to to not go into overkill when there's Mm. an aerosolized virus. Well, we went into overkill even though all of our own personal documents and plans said, don't do so. Right. Treat those at the greatest risk and let the rest of society be pretty much normative. That's what 15, 20 years of excellent Canadian and American and British research showed to do. Canada made its decisions based upon worldwide information and we had our own excellent program that we could have followed. But I've heard speaker after speaker in that field in that field of epidemiology stating we didn't follow our own epidemiologic our own guts our own knowledge our own intensities we didn't follow those things we threw out our plans and we just listened to this false plan right a false plan you know my friend i know that we're supposed to go almost till another 10 minutes but i am got a bit of a headache I've been working hard here, and if you don't mind us winding down shortly, I think it's best for me.
0: Thank you. So let me just give you one more little piece of information that you may not know yet. So I did some research uh, a little while back. My neighbors, I have farmer neighbors, they're upset about the nitrogen reduction, 30%. You may have heard about it. Um, I researched into that one. So I was trying to figure out why locally, regionally, and nationally did we come up with a 30% number from a global source. So I reached out to Agriculture Canada, talked to some scientists there, and I asked them, what's going on? Where do we get this number from? They actually told me that Canada doesn't have the answer and the only way to get that answer is to go to global sources and they don't even have those sources. So mm-hmm. this is happening not in just healthcare, but this is happening in agricultural, this is happening in energy, this is happening in climate, where we're taking our global marching orders really from very few spots and and it seems to be quite coordinated in preparing us to continue to look at global sources for all information. Currency is coming down the line. Um, you're gonna have economics on a global level now. Um, I think that we definitely, as people, need to push away from any any program, healthcare, uh, agricultural, or otherwise, where the power is moving from the people up to the global for decision-making. Um, so I, I guess it, it sounds like you would be behind that kind of resistance. Uh, you would you would definitely support resistance uh, on that.
1: Well, I, well, I can see what a mess it is that we haven't done that. I can see that a centralized decision making made it very very easy for something that has almost, you know, Department of Defense written all over it in terms of who wrote the rules for this, mm-hmm. uh, and that's just not the way it should be. And that that kind of hidden control can happen when individual states and provinces don't stand their ground and don't stand their ground on behalf of their citizens. I'm standing my ground right now to the extent that I can. There are many other scientifically astute people that help me state what I'm stating. Let's start listening to those terribly astute people. Dr. Paul Alexander out of the United States, Canada, dual citizen. He is the brightest, most clear headed person on this topic from the word go. And uh, the fact that he was shunted to the side and Fauci and Burks and these other morons were allowed to hold sway in the U.S., which essentially made they held sway everywhere. And they haven't gotten down on their knees enough to apologize yet. But please do, because you people have harmed us, and we, we're, we're sick of it.
0: Absolutely. Of it. And, the, and the next step is uh, law enforcement, the Army, and that's going to be globalized so we need to start making some changes c- quickly before we have no power left and no ability to stop this so thank you very much doctor i, I know you need to yeah. get some and time
1: I, and if uh, you know so if anyone on the rcmp side of things or whatever uh, feels moved somewhat by these facts or wants to approach me about them uh, i can be reached uh, uh, essentially, uh, through my Twitter, uh, there's, you know, you can do it outreach on Twitter. And, and if anyone of a serious nature who wants my contribution, just just reach out. And uh, I'll do a reverse reach out in the sense of right now, just as we finish and after we finish the program, I'll, I'll give you my give, send, go, if you don't mind. I, I have very <laughs> other little income at this time. And uh, if anyone would wish to support me in my efforts and my legal efforts and my legal efforts, my legal efforts to regain my license, Uh, I would certainly appreciate anyone who would be willing to contribute to uh, my gifts and go, which I will provide to our host uh, as we close.
0: That would be my pleasure. I'll I'll be making a contribution myself personally as well. Thank you very much, doctor. You get some rest, and I really appreciate your time. Uh, Maybe in the future we'll have another conversation, maybe six months or so, see what we're doing and see, see if we've fixed anything or if we're addressing things in a proper way. Thank you very much, doctor. We'll do so. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you, Jason. You take care take your battle.